Today we're wrapping up our series, Relationship Health. More specifically, I want to discuss your friendship relationship to unbelievers. Uh, Whenever I started to, uh, when I had this series in mind, this is not the direction at all that I was planning to go with this uh, idea of friendship, but it kind of just morphed into that this week because I hope some of you, uh, you have a friend in, in your mind right now that's maybe on your list or on your prayer list or that's in your life in some way that is your who in 22. And so what I want to do today is talk about how can we be that friend to an unbeliever that might get them to the point of becoming a believer. Remember, we kicked off the year this year. Hard to believe that it's already uh, February, but our first Sunday of the year, just a month or so ago, we asked the question, who's your who in 22? And so we've, we've already had a couple of baptisms, a couple more are on the way. We've got a long way to go, though, until everyone reaches their who in 22. Can you imagine what this place will look like at the end of the year if everybody in this church reaches their who in 22? That would be pretty phenomenal. Amen? Uh, We might actually get sick of one name under heaven. I don't know. I don't think we would, but uh, I think we can sing that as as often as, uh, as we want to because we know what it means. We know the reason why we sing it. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, what should my relationship be to people who don't believe in Jesus the way that I do? What should my relationship be with non-believers so that we can get them to the point of at least at least studying the claims of Jesus to where they might might make a decision, at least an informed decision as to whether they want to follow him or not. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, right after it says that we are created in Christ, we're a new creation in Christ, Paul says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Or this is how another translation puts it. This is called God's Word translation. Puts it this way. God has restored our relationship with Him through Christ, and He has given us the ministry of restoring relationships. Or as the RBV puts it, that's the Ron Bridgewater version, we've been saved to save other people. That's why, that's why we are created in Christ. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, you've been baptized in Him, you become a new creation in Him. And the reason we have become a new creation in Him is so that we can become agents of change in people's lives so that they can become new creations in Him as well. A Christian of all people should be interested in relationships. Christians of all people should be loving and caring enough about other people that they want to build this bridge to them so that they can experience the same thing that you are experiencing. Once God has restored this relationship to us, He expects us to go restore relationships with other people and help them restore the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing that you can do for anybody else is introduce them to Jesus. That's it. That is the greatest thing that you can do. You can seal their eternity knowing that they are going to heaven. 
Now, I hope I get a big amen to this, so I'm setting you up right now. If you don't do it, you're letting me down, okay? We have the greatest news in the world. Very good, very good. You did well. And here's the news. All of our sins can be forgiven, and, and I can have a new purpose for living, and I get a home in heaven, and God becomes my friend. He's no longer my enemy. He becomes my friend. What in the world could be better than that? It's better than a cure for any disease. It's better than coming up for a, or coming up with a, a cure for COVID. Because it has eternal implications. To know that you have helped someone seal their eternal destiny is, is incredible, right? And, and, and you have to earn that right to share it, though. That's the, that's the key, because here's the deal. If you just walk up to people that you don't even know, and you start talking to them about the Lord, and you start shoving the Bible in, the, in their face, they're probably going to look at you like, what planet did you just get off of? You have to earn the right for someone to hear what you've got to say. And I think one of the problems of believers is we often forget that most people who are around us, when we're out in the workplace, when we're out maybe uh, in the marketplace, one of the things that we often forget is that most of the people who are around us on a regular basis are not headed for heaven. Most of the people that we encounter out in public are not in a right relationship with God. They're not friends of God and they need us to point them in that direction. They need us to share with them the good news. So today as we wrap up this series, I want to give you six principles for building friendships with people who might not be believers or maybe they're believers, but they're believers, they're, they're nominally believers at best. They, they, they don't worship, they don't, you know, they don't, uh, uh, they don't regularly do things that would indicate that they are believers in Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. Again, our, our entire, when our staff got together for a staff retreat last fall, uh, Kendall and Spencer and Lauren and I, we all came uh, up with this idea of who's, who's your who in, in 22. And so this is going to be an emphasis for the entire year because I feel that we need to be, as a church, we need to be more intentional about getting outside of the four walls of our church and leading people to Jesus, building those bridges establishing those relationships so that people won't think we're just a bunch of kooky, nutty Christian people that huddle up on Sunday morning, but we're people who genuinely care about them, and we care about their lives, and we care about their souls. And so we have to get more intentional about leading people to Christ, and today I want to specifically talk about how you build a healthy relationship with that neighbor, with that co-worker, that relative, and sometimes that's the hardest, that parent or child, a brother or sister, how do we build that relationship with someone that we care about maybe very much that doesn't know the Lord, or maybe we don't, maybe we haven't even met them yet? How do you build that relationship of love between your heart and theirs? Here's the first thing. Be proactive, okay? If you're taking notes, this is the first thing. Be proactive. Take the initiative to build friendships with people. Uh, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, I think Jesus is saying it for our purposes today. Don't wait for someone else to make the first move. Don't just say, hey, you know what? I just hope someone eventually starts talking to me about Jesus so I can share my faith. I, I think in this context, Jesus is saying, you make the first 
move. You reach out. You be proactive. Because here's, here's what I think. And, and, and this isn't, you know, 100% across the board, but this is, this is what I, I think. Again, this is the, the uh, RBV version, maybe. I don't know. But I think everybody wants friends. But I think there's a lot of people that we come into contact with on a regular basis that don't know how to make them. You know, you, you might go out in a place, you might go to a party, you might go to it, maybe a Super Bowl party coming up next uh, Sunday, or maybe a workplace Christmas party or something like that. And you got a whole bunch of people that are there that maybe they're strangers to you a little bit. Everybody's wanting to get to know somebody. Everybody's desperately wanting to talk, unless you like to just sit in the corner and not talk to anybody. Some are like that, but that's, and that's okay. But for the most part, everybody wants to talk to someone. They, they want to be a friend, but I think most people are afraid to make the, mo the first move. Would you agree with me on that? But here's the deal. People don't know how to reach out. People don't know how to step out. They don't know how to approach you. And so the Bible says this. You are called to share the gospel. You are to take the initiative. You are to make the first move. And so you reach out to that next door neighbor. You reach out to that employee or employer, that co-worker. You make the first move in love. And I want to warn you, be very careful. Don't Again, don't just come out and waving your Bible in their face, but you make that first move and you start to establish that relationship in love because you care. And because you care, you dare to step out and try to establish that relationship with someone. Just walk out on your front porch or, or it, maybe you have a back deck of your house and just look at your neighbors if you have neighbors anywhere near you and ask yourself this question, does my neighbor know Jesus? And what, what have I done to build that relationship that enables me to have the right to tell them about Jesus? No? I, I think we live in a very skeptical society. I think people are afraid of being hurt today. People don't want to be conned. People don't want to be manipulated. People don't want to be used. And frankly, the church has kind of gotten that reputation down through the years because we have done some bad things, and not necessarily this church, but Christians in general. And so we live in this very skeptical society about the church. And in order for us to build friendships today, I think we have to meet people halfway. Actually, we need to go over halfway. We need to take the initiative. and We need to go over halfway. Take the initiative. You go the second mile. You do what you need to do in order to build that relationship. Because I think that God specifically puts people in your lives he puts them there once you're a believer so that you can tell them, so that you can invite them, so that you can talk to them about the Lord, so that maybe you can share something that maybe you learned today or maybe something you heard on the radio or something that you read. Share that word, that book, that music, whatever it is. Just be proactive and be willing to share that with someone. Be the one who takes the initiative to show how much you care about someone else. And then second, refuse to wear a mask. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. I'm already real good at that. Went into Lowe's yesterday. I refuse to put mine on. Like that, you know. and some of us, may, maybe that's the way it, it is, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you want to build a strong relationship with somebody, whether that's a, a family member, a husband, a wife, a children, an unbeliever, if you want to... to be able to establish credibility, you have to take your mask off. You have to be real. You have to be 
authentic. You have to be honest. You have to be open. You have to drop your guard and just be vulnerable. And that's hard. That's tough for some of us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. You see, that's what, that's what I think builds strong friendships. Quit pretending. Quit trying to make yourself out to, to be something that maybe you're not. Just be who you are. Be authentic. Be, be real. Take your mask off. And I, and I don't want to shock you this morning. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Are, are you ready for it? Do you want to hear a little secret? It might, it might catch you off guard a little bit. You're not perfect. Okay? Does that, does that shock anybody this morning? I, I certainly didn't get any amens on that. Uh, everybody around you already knows that you don't have your act together 100% of the time. Everybody knows that. Nobody has it all together. I don't, you don't, nobody in this world has it all together. We're all imperfect, so why do we keep kidding ourselves trying to act perfect around everybody? Because everybody knows you're not anyway. Quit trying to pretend before others. Let it down. Get off this pedestal that we think we have to be on and be real just like everybody else. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer yet, but you're considering the claims of Christ, I want to be honest with you, and I want to tell you, if you're watching online and you're thinking about giving your life to Christ this morning, I want you to understand something this morning. There is no difference between the believer and the unbeliever in their problems and in their situations. We all have the same problems. We all have the same temptations. We have the exact same issues going on in our lives. We're all in the same boat. The only difference is our boat has a different captain. That's the only difference. We, we have a new leader in our lives that changes who we are and how we handle things. We have a new power. It's called the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us that is this new source of help in our lives that we didn't have before. So quit trying to pretend because... You can't cover up your, your mistakes anyway, no matter how hard you tried. You don't have to be perfect. God never said you had to be perfect. If you could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Let your guard down. Build that relationship on honesty and on trust. Quit trying to be something that you're not. And then identify common ground. Okay, that's the third thing. If you want to build a relationship with somebody, you have to identify common ground, discover what you have in common with this other person. And when you're dealing with trying to help an unbeliever, trying to understand God's love, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I like what Paul says there. I like it and I don't like it. He says, I become all things to all people so that I might save some. 
I wish he'd said, I become all things to all people so that I might save everybody. But the truth is, that's not going to happen. There's going to be times where maybe you feel like you've wasted your time because you have invested so much. But you know what? Let God deal with that. We're only called to become all things to all people so that some might be saved. And you do that by finding common ground with the person that you're working with. And how do you do that? You have to listen. Right? You got to listen. You got to listen with your heart. Not with your ears. Ask questions like, tell me about yourself. And then really listen to what the other person is saying because I think there's also this, this cry out in our world of people who just want to be heard, people who want to be able to share things with people. And they don't have very many people to share it with. People in this world are dying to be listened to. But very few people are good listeners. The uh, New York phone company years ago did a study and discovered that the number one word people used in conversations on the phone, I, I knew they were listening to us. That's the only way they would know, right? They did, <laughs> that's kind of spooky. Um, the number one word, what do you think it is? I. Number one word that's used in conversations on the phone is the word I. Here's a thought. I would bet... In fact, let's just do an experiment. How many want to do an experiment with me this week out on the street to a total stranger? Raise your hand. All right, none of you. Okay, this is awesome. All right, invitation, let's close this thing. Now, here's the deal, all right? If you would go out on the street and you were to find a total stranger and you, you just ask that person, tell me about yourself. And they start talking and you listen. And you give them 15, 20 minutes or so. If they just keep talking to you, you know what they're going to think? They're going to think, number one, they're going to think you're a genius, right? Because the more, I've, I've found out that the more that you just let a person talk, you don't, you don't even have to say anything. I learned a long time ago in counseling that I don't have to be very profound. Good thing. Um, and, and I just need to be a good listener because the longer people talk, the smarter the listener seems to be. Have you ever noticed that? Am I wrong about that? I think that's the case. If you're lonely and you want more friends, here's the deal. You will make more friends in two months getting other people or, or getting interested in other people than you will in two years trying to get other people interested in you. Does that make sense? You'll make more friends being interested in other people than you will trying to get other people interested in you. So be a listener. It's amazing how far that can go. And once you've identified that common ground, then you need to use it to, to build that bridge, to strengthen that relationship, establish that friendship. If you're talking with a neighbor who's an unbeliever, find out that he likes football. You know, I'm sure the two of you can rejoice together that Tom Brady finally retired. Right? You discover that maybe they're parents and they're having some struggles with their kids. And you say, hey, you know what? I, man, when I was your age, I had that same struggle. Here's, here's something that I went through. Here's a book that I heard or here's a message that I heard. You know, here's some resources that can help you with this problem. Establish that common ground uh, when you see it and then try to help them any way that you can. Use that to build that bridge. And then four, demonstrate God's love. In order to establish a relationship with people, in order to become friends with people for the purpose of leading them to Jesus, we have to demonstrate God's love. We can't just say, oh, God loves you. 
We have to demonstrate God's love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our goal is to be as much like Jesus as possible. And he served in love. And we got to do that. We have to just stop saying we love people. That's, that's such a cliche to the non-believer. We have to show them. We've got, we got to show it by our actions. That, that's the biblical way to love people is to show them. The Bible says don't just say I love you. Show it. Demonstrate it. So how do you do that? You do that by meeting three of the most essential needs of every individual. Every individual has three basic needs. And when you meet these needs, I believe that's when you're demonstrating love to people. Three A's, right? Just like Spencer's report card. Three A's, right? That's it. Everybody needs acceptance. Everybody needs affirmation. And everybody needs assistance. Would you agree with that? Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody needs affirmed. Everybody needs assistance every now and then. Acceptance. You demonstrate love when you accept people just like they are. I think one thing that we've been guilty of, something that I've been guilty of at times in the past, is thinking that people need to clean up their act first before, before I like them. Love them or accept them. You accept them just as they are with a non judgmental love. And I get it, there's a lot of weird people out there, right? And, and if you're thinking, no, I'm just not seeing it, well, you're, you're probably the weirdo uh, if, if you're not hearing that. Um, because there are, you know, everybody thinks somebody else is just kind of out there to where they can't be in their group or they can't be in that relationship. Listen, Jesus not one time in the New Testament told someone to go get their act cleaned up first. He loved them as they are. He accepted them just as they were with a non-judgmental love. Jesus didn't put qualifiers on who we're supposed to love. And you might be sitting out there thinking, but you don't understand the people I work with or my family members, my relatives, they're so messed up. They're into this lifestyle and they have this problem and they have this habit. How can I accept them? You need to understand that there's a difference between acceptance and approval. Okay? Big difference between acceptance and approval. You can accept someone just as they are, without approving of everything that they do. And the model of this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ accepted everybody. He loved everybody before they cleaned up their act. The religious people of Jesus' day couldn't stand the fact that He hung out with all of the unrighteous people. In fact, they called Him a friend of sinners. As if they were degrading him in somehow. I think Jesus wore that as a badge of honor. You're doggone right, I'm a friend of sinners. That's why my father sent me. Wouldn't you love to be called a friend of sinners like Jesus? 
He hung out with people like lepers, not that they necessarily sinned, but they certainly were not accepted by anybody else, and he hung out with them. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. He showed people unconditional love. And you can accept someone without agreeing about everything that they're doing because everybody needs to feel accepted. And then second, everybody needs to be affirmed. Everybody needs emotional support. I've discovered that everybody's having a tough time. These past couple years have been the toughest in our world probably ever, at least in everyone's lifetime here. I've discovered that everybody's having a tough time. Everybody. Just in different ways. Some are suffering emotionally. Some are suffering financially. Some physically. Everybody's having a tough time. When you're there for your friend or your neighbor or your coworker in their time of crisis or their time of illness or during their time of a death in the family or their big disappointment, or their financial problem, or the conflict that they're having, when you're there and you just sit with them, or you pray with them, or you demonstrate some kind of love toward them that is of God, you're building a bridge. And when you affirm them, you give them that emotional support, and you're genuinely loving them, and you're concerned about their hurts, you're you're narrowing that gap. You're, you're establishing that, that relationship that gives you the right to tell them about Jesus. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. This is what friendship is all about. Bearing one another's burdens. Someone put it this way. A friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else walks out. A friend is someone who will see you through when other people see through you. God says to be affirming of the people around us. And then He says, assist them. When you love someone and you want to demonstrate that love, you want to demonstrate God's love, you help them out. You assist them. You demonstrate genuine love by helping them out. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs practical love. They need to be shown it. And sometimes you can build a bridge to a friend, a neighbor, an acquaintance by offering practical assistance do it. Help them out. You know, offer to give them a ride. Maybe carpool with them or babysit for them or take them a meal. Help them clean out something in their backyard. Repair something. Help them take down their Christmas lights. I mean, it is February 6th, for goodness sake. right? Help them out. Right? Think of some practical ways of demonstrating genuine love. It's not just words. But you really care about people. Fifth, give credence to their feelings and fears. People around you, they, you need to give them credence, give validity to their feelings and the fears that they have. You need to realize that when you share the good news or when you invite somebody to church, when people are resistant to that or they're slow to come around about that, the number one reason why people are slow to come around or they're resistant to that or they're hesitant is fear. And it could be any kind of fear. It could be fear of, what if I turn into some religious nut? 
you know, or what if I become a fanatic? What if, what if I commit to it and then I find out that it's not true and then I'm going to look really stupid? Or what if it's just too hard for me? What if God asks me to do something I'm not willing to do and then it's too late to back out? What if I lose all my friends because I've become a Christian? What if I stop having fun? See, there's all these fears that are going on in people's minds about, whether, uh, about why they don't want to become a believer. There's all of these misconceptions that they have in their mind about a relationship with Christ. And what you need to do, what we need to do is understand that and be sympathetic to that and be honest and say, listen, I understand. I can understand it because before I became a Christian... I thought some of these same things. Again, we're back to this whole being real. I didn't understand it all. There was a point in my life where I thought, if I stepped across the line and I gave my life to Christ, everything's going to change. And I'm a little bit of a, afraid of what that change is going to be. Be honest with them. Be patient with people. Give God time to act the Bible says in Romans 15, 2, for we must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Okay? Don't push people. Be considerate. Don't argue anybody into heaven. Because you can't. <laughs> you can only love them into heaven. Someone put it this way. When you've got a little egg with a chick inside of it, there's two ways to get the chick out of the egg. One is to take a hammer and smash the egg, but that's probably going to kill the chick. The other way is to put it in a warm environment and wait. That's how you bring people to the love of God. You surround them with the warmth of God's love. You serve them. You love them. You sacrifice for them. You be authentic and be real about your own problems and say, listen, I don't have it all together, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer for whatever problem you got going on in your life. And you invite them to church and you love on them. And then, and then you sit back and you watch it hatch. Again, you, you can't argue people into heaven anyway. You've you, you got to love them there. And then the final thing is this. Expect God to use you. I need to expect that God is going to use me. And so what I'm asking you to do here this morning and in the days ahead is to say something along these lines. If I get serious about building relationships to unbelievers in 2022, I don't know what I'm going to say, uh, but God, I expect you to use me, and I pray that you would give me the right things to say. If, if, if you don't know uh, what to say, understand you're not alone, and, and that's okay. In fact, you probably don't want some canned speech anyway. You know, I, I could probably give you all kinds of things to say where if someone asks you these questions and you spout off some cliche answer, they're going to turn you off very, very quickly. Right? It's going to sound like a sales job if you just spout some cliches at people. But I believe that God will tell you what to say. When you're put in that situation and you are genuinely trying to reach somebody for Jesus, I believe that the, with all my heart, the Holy Spirit of God will give you the right words to say. And, and this is a little bit different context, but I think it applies to us as well. Jesus promised to his disciples in Matthew, chap, uh, uh, Matthew chapter, uh, 20, or chapter 10, sorry, when they arrest you, don't worry about what you say or how to say it. Now, th this is in the context of the, the disciples are, Jesus is warning them they're going to be um, 
they're going to be persecuted for their faith and, and don't worry about what you're going to say. We'll give you what to, to say. Most of us are not going to be arrested for our faith. But I think some of us are going to be put in tough spots sometimes, maybe not to that degree. And I believe the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that gave them the words to say, give us the words to say as well. When they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. You say, well, how do you know that that can happen? I've had it happen in my life. There have been people who have asked me questions and I have given the answer and when the answer came out of my mouth, I went, I'm not that smart. Where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit of God giving you the right words to say at the right time to share the good news with people. And it's amazing. And there's nothing more fulfilling. I'll tell you right now, there's nothing more fulfilling, there's nothing more satisfying than to know that you are helping someone move out of darkness into light. There's nothing more satisfying than knowing that there was someone who was on the road to hell that's now going to go to heaven because you cared enough about them to share Jesus. There's nothing more satisfying than knowing that you are solidifying someone's eternal destiny and God is using you. It's a pretty incredible feeling to be able to do that. And those of you who have done that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And once you've done it, you're hooked. And you want to do it more. And you want to do it more. And you say, well, that's great. How does that happen? Well, as our worship team comes to get ready to play this last song, let me, let me tell you how it happens. It happens by saying, here I am, God. Use me. Make yourself available. Say, God, use me. I don't know what to say. I'm a little bit afraid. But use me in a way that would lead others to you. Put people in my life around me that need to have a bridge built to you. Again, knowing that you've helped somebody settle their eternal destiny and knowing that they will be eternally grateful to you for building a bridge. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's an incredible thing. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. I, I want you to pray about, during our song of decision, I want you to pray about what is God, what's God asking you to do in this regard? And, and pray for God to, to put people in your life that, that, that need Jesus. Or maybe those people are already there, but pray that God would give you the courage and give you the wisdom as to how to approach them and be that friend for them that they need. And maybe there are some of you here today that have not experienced that life-changing relationship with Jesus in the first place. And so sharing Jesus is kind of a difficult thing to do when maybe you haven't made that decision yourself. That's where it starts. And if you're here today and you need to make that decision, I encourage you to come during this song of decision.
or if you want to text to the church connection number that's on the screen. If you're watching online and you want to text the word ready to that church connection number, we'd, we'd love to get with you and share with you what we believe you need to do to get yourself right with the Lord first. Again, drop that mask. Just, just be who God made you to be. Let's pray together.